We are so glad that you have joined us for week one of our 2020 series, where we are doing two things that are very exciting to me. We are celebrating 20 years as a church, and more importantly, we're preparing ourselves for the next 20. And so we're going to be talking about how we are renewing our vision and focus for the next journey that God has for us and how that applies to you and how it affects your life and where you fit in to all of that because you just might be surprised. And here's some other things we're going to be doing. I think it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're going to hear a lot of 20s, okay? It is 2020, the year 2020. The series is called 2020. We are actually 20 years old as a church. And so here's what we're going to do. For 20 days, starting on Monday, the 16th of March, we're going to do a 20-day reading in the Scriptures together as a church to kind of prepare us for that 20-year celebration weekend that we'll be telling you more about. So if you don't have our app, this is the only way you're going to be able to do this with us is to get our app. It's not going to be on the website. It's not we're going to email it to you. This is going to be something that comes right through our app. You turn on your push notifications, and every morning, starting on the 16th for 20 days, you'll get a push notification of a passage of Scripture that we're all going to be reading, all of us that have the app. If you don't have the app, you need to go to your app store or your app store provider and search the Summit Church app. The Summit Church app and download it. Make sure your push notifications are on and we will send it to you every day. And as a church, we will read for 20 days. And some of the times the the passages of scripture are kind of short. Other times they're going to be a little bit longer. But listen, I promise you, you can do it. Maybe you've never read the Bible before. Maybe this is the first time. This will be a great time for you to do it because you won't be doing it alone. We'll all be doing this together and it's kind of a way to bring us together and prepare our hearts and minds. And it's going to be kind of coinciding with what we're talking about each week in this 2020 series. So 20, lots of it. And on April the 5th, we're going to actually celebrate a big, big weekend of our 20-year celebration. And we are so excited to be able to um, share some memories with you and some moments with you and to talk about, more importantly, where we're headed. From the very beginning, though, of our church, from the very beginning of, of, the, of this whole thing, it, it's, it's really been about love from the very beginning. I mean, this whole thing has, has been about love. I mean, and we're going to talk about different nuances, but you could really boil it down, no matter what we were doing, from the very early days, in those early years, it, it's surrounded the whole concept of love. And it's really that simple. Now, now, here's the interesting thing. We've gotten a lot of criticism through the years because of that. We've gotten so much criticism throughout the years, and maybe you don't know it, and maybe you don't get it, and maybe it's just me because I get a lot of the emails. And so, and, and to be honest, and I know this may sound weird, I, that's kind of the, the criticism that I enjoy the most is when people criticize us for focusing so much on love. Right? I, I kind of get a kick out of that because people have no idea what they're criticizing when they criticize this. And it's not people who attend here, which is so fascinating to me. It's people who usually who, who've never been here and they don't know what we're about and they've never experienced it. They just heard, well, they're always talking about love. They're always talking about love. They're always, it's always about love, 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 love. It's all about love. And they assume that love is soft and that love is cushy and that love is shallow. 
What they don't realize is when you're talking about Jesus' brand of love, Jesus' version of love, the kind of love that we focus on here, that is deep stuff. That is challenging stuff. In fact, Jesus' version of love required him to go to a cross and sacrifice himself. And one day Jesus looked at his followers and he said, if you're going to follow me, you too are going to have to find your own cross and pick it up and follow me. No, see, no, no, there's nothing shallow, nothing soft, nothing cushy, nothing easy about Jesus's brand of love. In fact, we've said around here many times, and I enjoy saying this because it just kind of, I just enjoy saying it, that if, if you love the way Jesus is, Jesus is going to love, love will kick your butt. Right? I mean, love, Jesus' brand of love, Jesus' version of love will kick your butt. It will be the most challenging thing you've ever done. But Jesus' brand of love is what this world needs now more than ever. And that's been our focus from the very beginning. Love, Jesus' version of love, Jesus' brand of love is the most central most clarifying and most challenging aspect of what it means to follow him. Just follow with me. Follow with me because I'm going to take you somewhere. And, and before we're done, this is not just going to be a concept. Before we're done, you're going to leave here with the opportunity to understand, oh, this means me. Oh, this means my life. Oh, and now I know what I've got to do. But it's always been about love. It was about love for Jesus. It's how Jesus, love is actually how Jesus summarized the entire Old Testament. Did you know that? He summarized everything in the Old Testament under the umbrella of love. One day he was asked a question because the guy was trying to trip him up, get him to say something wrong so he could accuse Jesus. And He said, Jesus, what's the most important? Of all the 613 commands, what's the most important? The Mosaic Law, the Old Testament Law. And this is how Jesus summarized the entire Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. With all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. When he says all the law and all the prophets, he's talking about the entire Old Testament. Old Testament is basically, with few exceptions of some poetry here and there, all the law and all the prophets with some poetry about the law and about the prophets kind of mixed in. He's basically summarizing the whole Old Testament with saying it's about loving God and loving people as much as you'd love yourself. He summarized the whole Old Testament with love. That was bold, and it really ticked some people off. And we'll, we'll talk about that at another time. We'll come back to that. But, you know, love is also the heart of Jesus' new command. It's how Jesus summarized the Old Testament, and it's how Jesus described the new thing that he was coming to earth to do, to set up while he was on earth, and the new thing that he wanted his followers to be a part of. So in the final moments that Jesus had with his closest followers, and we've seen this time and time again here at the summit because it's so central to who we are, Jesus said this to his closest disciples, a new command I give you. And this is right before Jesus was crucified. A new command I give you, love one another. Well, what do you mean, love one another? As I have loved you, so must you love one another. And by this, by what? 
by your love for one another, when you love each other the way I have loved you, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another the way I've loved you kind of love. If you, you love each other with my brand of love, my version of love, the kind of love that I've given you, if you'll love each other the way I've loved you, that's how the world's going to know. Fascinating to me that Jesus didn't say, the world's going to know that you belong to me when they hear all your knowledge. Mm-mm. He didn't say the world will know that you are my disciples when they are impressed with your theological prowess. Mm-mm. When they get a load of your traditions. Mm-mm. He said when they experience your love. Your love. That's how they're going to know. So it's been about love here at the summit from, from the beginning. Our mission as a church is about love. This is the way we say it. We are here to receive and share the love of Jesus. To receive the love of Jesus and then share the love of Jesus. Because Jesus said, the love that you've received from me, we just read it, I want you to share with each other and love as I have loved you. So we are here to receive and share the love of Jesus. That is such a powerful and life-changing focus that drives everything we do at every single level. Receive and share the love of Jesus. Now, go with me. Over the past little while, as, as, as I've spent more and more time thinking about this, receive and share the love of Jesus, receive and share the love of Jesus, I'm constantly, as uh, your pastor and, and as our staff, we're constantly trying to find ways to kind of make this come alive like never before. We're constantly trying to find ways to, to make what we do better and to help people get it like they've never gotten it before. We, we're always changing things and tweaking things and adjusting things because we never stop growing. We never stop changing. We never stop trying to improve. And the same thing goes with how we embody and understand and live out this statement, this mission that Jesus has given us to receive and share his love. Because, to be quite honest with you, um, it, it's a little clunky as a statement, right? It's not very portable. It's, it's, it's a, you, know, you say, it, receive and share the love of Jesus. I mean, it, it doesn't just kind of roll off the tongue, so it's not as memorable as I would like. It's not as portable as I would hope we could make it. It's not as transferable. I think a lot of people, even though they, when they hear me talk about it and they hear our staff talk about it and they hear other people talk about it, they go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I agree. But I think a lot of people have a hard time trying to translate this into reality. So we want to fix that. And, and before I get to the point where I just kind of lay this out for you, I want you to let you know that what I'm getting ready to tell you, I think makes this clearer than ever and makes this more simple than ever before. And it makes this more challenging. And it, and it actually puts it in my face and puts it in your face and makes it like I can't ignore this. This is not just a nice little statement that hangs on a wall somewhere. I got to do this. I, this is me. This, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God has called us to do. And we're not changing anything, really. We're clarifying everything. We're not really changing anything. We're going to clarify everything that this means. And, and before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you what it is. And I'm going to explain it. But I got to tell you this. I didn't even come up with it. It was one of the things that's most exciting because this, this actually came out of a conversation that I had with one of our staff, one of our longtime staff members, 
kind of kind of prompted with this idea. Her name's Christy, and she's been with us from almost the very beginning. And just she shared this idea with me, and I was so captivated by this. I was so taken by this. I was so, everything inside of me was like, yes, that's what I've been feeling. Yes, that's what we need. Yes, and as I began to kind of digest this, the more excited I got about it, and then I began to share this with other staff, the more excited they got about it, and then we're just, man, we're, we're really excited about this because we think this is going to help us take, receive and share the love of Jesus more clearly, more personally, and more powerfully. So here's how we're going to clarify it even further. And surprise, it's still about love. Love first. Love first. We just, we just love first. This is our mission statement, to receive and share the love of Jesus. But this is how we make it portable. This is how we take this and put it into practice. This is how we take this and kind of put it in our back pocket and, and do something with it. We just simply love first. Love first is simple, and yet it is deep. It's as deep as you want to go. Love first is portable, and it's memorable, but it's also transformational. Love first. Love first. Two words that will change everything if you let it. Now I want you to think about those two words. It's not that hard. There's just two words. And there's words that you use all the time. You use the word love all the time. You use the word first all the time. You put them together, those two words. I want you to think about those two words, love first. As I read from the New Testament, what one of Jesus' closest followers, John, who had followed Jesus for decades by the time he had written this, in his older age. He wrote this to a group of Christians in Ephesus. And I want you to listen and think about the words love first as we walk through this together. John writes, dear friends, let us love one another telling you, it's, it's been about love from the beginning, and, and it, it's, you're going to get the point here. Let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God. And everyone who loves, oh, there's so much here, has been born of God and, and knows God. And whoever does not love, this is challenging, does not know God. They may think they do, but they don't. Why? Because God is love. A lot of people think a lot of things about God. A lot of people have drawn a lot of conclusions about who God is. A lot of people, when they fill in the blank God is, they would choose a lot of other words based upon what they've been told or based upon assumptions that they've made or misinformation. God is wrath. God is judgmental. God is harsh. Now, when John had the opportunity to fill that blank in, you're going to see it again. God is love. He goes on. This, I'll prove it to you, this is how God showed his love among us. You don't believe me? You don't believe God is love? He sent his one and only son 
He sent his one and only son, talking about Jesus, into the world that we might live through him, through Jesus. That is proof. And then he goes on. This is love. Now he's going to define it. This is love. No, not that we loved God. It's not us. You can't look to me and I can't look to you as the standard of love. Oh my goodness, no. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. He loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, (laughs) since God so loved us, in other words, since God loved us this much, surely we ought to love one another. Implied that much. And he goes on. No one's ever seen God. We've talked about this one before. I love this passage. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, if we love one another, something happens. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, no one's ever seen God, but when we love people with the love of God that he has put in us, when we love people the way Jesus loved us, they get a glimpse of him. It all begins to come together and becomes complete when we love each other the way we've been loved. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us. Here it is again. He just wanted to put it in there again just to make sure you get it. God is love. And then he goes on. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God lives in them. We love because he first loved us. You still thinking about love first? Love first? Love first? You getting the point now? We love. We love. I love you. You love me. We love each other. Because he first, he started it. He started it. Before I was even able, and we'll see this some next week, before I was even able to respond to him, he loved me first. Whoever claims to love God, now here's here's where love can kick your butt. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Well, I wouldn't say hate. I mean, I wouldn't say not hate. I just can't stand her. Right? I, I don't want to say hate. I just don't want to look at his ugly face. I, w- I wouldn't say hate. That's such a strong word. Is a liar. Why? Because for whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You can't love your brother or sister whom you see all the time. How can you love a God that you've never seen? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> He goes on. He just bottom lines it. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God, anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Love first. That's the point. Love first. I'm telling you, I've been chewing on this for a while. I've been, I've been absorbing this for a while. And the more and more... I take this as a filter by which to understand the scriptures the more and more it comes to life. This is what Jesus was about. God loved us first and he wants us to love others first. Love first is how we summarize what it means to receive and share the love of Jesus. I mean, we talk about receiving God's love because he loved us first. And then we're going to share God's love. We're going, to, we're going to love each other first. There's so much there to experience. And this is what Jesus did. We see this love first concept over and over and over and over again all throughout the New Testament. I mean, Jesus tells the story of the lost son who goes away and blows his inheritance and embarrasses the family. And, 
And when he finally came to his senses, he, he, he comes home and his dad, who in this story is representing the heart of Jesus, the heart of God the Father, this dad looks down the road and sees his son really messed up, coming home in shame. And the dad runs to meet his son with open arms, Jesus tells the story. And what does he do first? He doesn't give him a lecture. He doesn't say, I told you so. He didn't say, you're in big trouble. He didn't say, wait till your mom knows you're here. She's going to let you have it. He didn't say, you're going to burn. He didn't know what he'd do. He threw his arms around him, and he loved him first. And then he threw a party. Jesus one day encountered a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. She, she wasn't just, we heard she was with this guy. No, I mean, it was like, hello, it's happening right here. Um, kind of caught red-handed. There's no denying this. Caught in the very act of adultery, which he brought to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to lower the boom. <coughs> what did Jesus do? He loved her first and said, I, I don't condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you. I, I, I want you, yes, you need to go make better choices. Yes, you, you need to adjust some things you're doing, but I'm not here to condemn you. He loved her first. One day Jesus was telling a story of a scenario where how important it is for us to be in relational harmony with each other and to love our brothers and sisters. And he said, for instance, if you go to church one day, and you are offering your sacrifice, because that's what Jews did. When they went to the temple, they would offer their sacrifice. For us, you know, they're going and they're singing music and they're singing songs. And they're, you know, they, they're all excited. He said, you're at church and you're worshiping and you suddenly remember, mm, I got an issue. There's something between me and my friend. There, there's something between me and that girl. There's something between me and my brother, between me and my sister. He said, you need to stop, leave your sacrifice, and go be reconciled to your brother. Go be reconciled to your sister. Go fix it. Go address it. Go ask for forgiveness. Go give forgiveness. Go make it right. Then come back and let's have some church. What was he saying? I'm telling you, love will kick your butt. Love first. Story of the Good Samaritan. This guy is at the point of death, been robbed and taken advantage of. And one person after another walks by, except this guy, the Samaritan of all people, a Samaritan who wouldn't stop and help a Jew, usually, typically, because they don't get along. What did he do? He'd walk up to him and say, serves you right, you Jew. Serves you right. You shouldn't have been out here alone anyway. Serves you right. Now, what did he do? He loved first. One of Jesus' most famous stories. Do you know, Jesus got in a lot of trouble with the Pharisees one day for healing someone on the Sabbath. Do you know why Jesus healed on the Sabbath when you're not supposed to do anything, right? Good Jews, you don't do anything on the Sabbath. You don't even heal on the Sabbath. If you're Jesus, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. Why did Jesus take on the Pharisees and heal on the Sabbath? Because he loved people first. He loved people more than the rule about the Sabbath, right? He put people in front. He put people before the law. He put people before what was considered right and wrong. He loved first. 
Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. He's basically, his whole point is love is the greatest. Love is the greatest of everything. Love is the top. Love, love is the pinnacle. That whole chapter is all about how love is first. Now, listen very carefully. Love also is truthful. Love is not just, hey, you're free to go. Sometimes love is very challenging. Love is hard. Like we said, love will kick your butt. Something we confuse as Christians, we confuse what it means to be nice with you know, being loving, right? We, we're, we're all suffering from terminal niceness. It's just so much of a bigger problem than the coronavirus, I can promise you, right? Now, love is kind, but sometimes love has to tell the truth in ways that is not perceived as very nice. Sometimes love has to be tough. Yeah, love does not mean there's not consequences to our choices. Love just means I can love somebody through whatever consequence they have brought on themselves or that life has handed them. Love first. Love first. It's what every person needs to know, that they are loved first by God. I don't care who they are, where they've been, what's happened to them. Every person ought to know that God loved them just like they are first. Before they turned over a new leaf, before they started going to church, before they changed their evil ways, before they, before they did whatever, any step towards God, before any step towards God was taken, God loved them first. God loved you first that way. Every person needs to know it. Did you know love first is what every relationship needs? This right here will fix every relationship problem I can think of. Love first. It's what every marriage needs. It's what every parent-child relationship needs. It's what every friendship needs. It's what needs to happen between you and your arch enemy. Love first. When you're not sure what to say, hey, I got, I got it, I got it. When you're not sure what to say, love first. First thing you need to say needs to be the loving thing. Love first. When you're not sure what to do, I got it, I got it, I got it. Ding, 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 ding. When you're not sure what to do, do the loving thing first. Love first. You, you know, love first also will help clarify how we handle money. Serious, this is huge. How we approach finances. Yeah, so I, I, God has entrusted me, God has entrusted you with resources. What does it look like? What, what do we do when we honor God as stewards of what he has entrusted to us? We love first with money. What does that look like? Well, I can tell you what it's not like. It's not greed. It's not fear. It's not hoarding. It looks a whole lot more like giving and sharing and meeting needs and providing for one another. Yeah, see, love first is a financial principle that will change the way you see and handle money. Love first is a filter for any decision you make. No matter what decision you make, you could ask yourself this question. All right, what does it look like for me to love first and be the first to love in this situation? 
What, is, what decision allows me to love my family first, to communicate love to God first, love to others first, love to, you just, you just fill in the blank. I can promise you that what our community needs to see, what this community needs to see, more than anything else from us, is love first. Let me, let me tell you something else that I love about this love first. It's transferable at every level of this organization, every level of this church. Do you know how easy it is to teach love first to a three-year-old? You can do it. They can get it. Love first. Parents of three-year-olds, do you not wish that they could begin to clue into that then? Right? What does every third grader need to learn? Do you think they can understand this? Receive and share the love of Jesus. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. We, we talk about that. We would teach that. But, but it, this is what it looks like right here. What if every third grade boy and every third grade girl learned what it means to love first? Just love first at school. I love first at home. I love first to mom and dad. I love first to my little annoying brother or sister. I love first. Hey, what, what does every 13, 15, 18-year-old student need? to discover what it means to love first, what real love first looks like. You love first. What does every adult need? What does every small group need? What does every serving environment teach us? When we give, what, what is it showing us? I'm telling you, it's all. If you look at it, like it's, it's all love first. This is what it looks like, and this is what it means to receive and share the love of Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you're sitting out there and you're kind of arguing with this because it's all kind of new and you're going, okay, Mr. Simple, if we love first, then what do we do second? Here's my answer. You'll know what to do second if you love first. Because loving first clarifies what your next move is. When you love first, it clarifies what you do second. Okay, then, do we love God first or do we love people first? Hmm? Answer that. You ready for this? Here's the answer. Do you love God first or love people first? Yes. That's the answer. Yes. Those are not mutually different. Those are, those are two sides of one coin. You don't have to choose between one or the other. When you are being loving to each other, you are being loving to your heavenly father. We just read it. John helped us see it. He said, listen, you can't say you love God if you're not loving to your brother and sister. How can you say you love God whom you've never seen if you can't love your brother or sister you've never seen? You know what God did? You know what Jesus illustrated? He equated love for God. In fact, that's how he summarized the whole Old Testament. Love God and love people. Jesus equates the two. He levels up the two, love for God and love for people. You know that if you're a parent. Don't you know that if you're a mom and a dad, a grandparent? You know one of the best things you can do for me? You know one of the most loving things you can do for me is love my kids. You treat my kids well, me and you are going to be on good terms. Now, if you mistreat one of my daughters, don't ask me to lunch. We ain't going. Just being honest. You mistreat my children... You and I are going to have a little bit of prayer time together. You, you, you look at that on a cosmic level and tell me. Yeah. 
See, see, which one do we do first? When you love people, you love God. If you want to communicate love to God, then love your brother and sister. Those two are not at odds. Love first helps us receive and share the love of Jesus. It helps us make it portable. Uh, two quick examples, okay? Tell me, just I want you to shout it out to me. I'm going to give you a slogan, and I want you to tell me the company that it goes with. All right? Just do it. Nike, you know this. Awesome. This is great. Some of you may be even wearing their stuff now. Did you know that Nike has a mission statement? They do. They have a mission statement, and it has a lot to do with expanding human potential. It's actually quite eloquent about expanding. They're here to help expand human potential by doing this and this and this and this. Yet, that was not very portable. That was not very transferable. It was very hard for people to remember that, so they've come up with a slogan years ago that basically summarizes what they're really here to help you do. There's three words. Just do it. Just do it. I don't know what, what kind of sport it is. They're here to equip you to just do it. Clear. All right, I'm going to give you another one. You ready? Come on, this one's fun. Eat more chicken. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A yeah. Yeah. Do you know that Chick-fil-A has a mission statement? And their mission statement says a lot about glorifying God and being faithful stewards and having a positive influence on all that come through their doors and interact with them. But you know that, and, and they even post it. Sometimes you can see it in their stores. But that's it's not very portable, is it? I mean, it's kind of hard to. I mean, if you work there, you probably haven't memorized, or you should. But the rest of us were like, oh, that's that's nice, that's nice. But I don't know what to do with that. But when you drive up and down the road and you see these billboards, they just want you to know one thing: eat more chicken. And so we do. That communicates, and we let cows tell us. Genius, right? Love first is our just do it. Listen, Summit, love first is our eat more chicken. Love first is what it means. It's what I want people and what we want people in this community when they hear the Summit, we want them to think love first. And when they hear love first, oh, you know what? I think that's the Summit. That's what they do. That's what they're known for. That's just kind of it. And another beautiful thing about it, we don't have time to get into this right now, but it's so PC and I love that. You know why I love that? Because I'm not a very PC person to begin with. But the reason I love that is because people will, people that don't know anything about Jesus, anything about God, anything about church, will latch onto that, not even realizing that they're embracing the heart of Jesus Christ. And then as they get to know where this really comes from, what does it do? It draws them in even closer. And they go, Really? That's what Jesus was about. Love first. So my prayer for you is that you will love first. And here's what I think is going to happen. Here's my prediction. Is that this is so simple, this is so transferable, that it's going to start popping into your head at the most inopportune times, and it's going to bug the snot out of you in a good way. Right? I predict that you're going to have a decision to make about something And it's just, okay, what does love first look like here? What does it look like to love first? What does it look like to love first? I I, I think you're going to have an issue that you face, and this is going to pop into your mind, and it's going to bring clarity. I think you're going to be in an argument with your husband or your wife or your children, and you're about to bow up and push your point, and the phrase love first is going to pop into your mind, and you're going to go, oh, 
Okay, what does it look like for me to love first? And I hope it drives you nuts until we learn together to love first. I'm telling you, it simplifies and clarifies everything. I'm not saying it's easy. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, what would happen if we just simply love first? What would happen in our marriages? What would happen in our families? What would happen at our jobs? What would happen in our friendships? What would happen with the people we don't like? What would happen to the people that we don't like to talk to? What would happen if we just simply love first? What would happen in our finances? What would happen with the decisions we make if we just simply love first? Now, warning, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be messy, and it's going to be quite inconvenient at times to love first. But loving first is what the world needs, it's what Jesus did, it's what he's called us to do, and for the next 20 years at least, it's what this church is going to do. We're going to love first. Because from the beginning, it's been about love. And the reason why, because it's always been about love. Because that's who God is. And that's what Jesus does. And that's what he's called us to. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for the simplicity and the power of this short statement and the depth, the depth of of, of where it comes from. It is clear that love has been at the heart of what you've been about from the very beginning. And when Jesus showed up, that was his focus. And that's what you have called us to do. And that's what we believe we can get more clarity on and build more passion around than ever before when we will focus on that this is what you did for us first and that's what you want us to do first. Before we prove a point, we love first. Before we, we, we have an argument, we love first. Before we get into a debate, we love first. Before we, we, we do anything else, we love first and then... We let you direct us from there. We do believe this will simplify and clarify what it means to receive your love and to share your love. So help us. For the next 20 years, at least. It's always been about love from the beginning. 20 years in, clearer than ever, may we just simply love first. Because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen.